We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It is IB Nation Sports Talk, and it is Midweek Mailbag Wednesday. Glad to have you with us. He is Jesse Styers. I am Sean Styers. Jesse, your day is going blank today. Bad. <laughs> it didn't take you long to answer that. <laughs> so are you looking for Derek to pick you up tonight? Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. All right. Derek, you've been challenged. Let's uh, let's see if we can put him in the right frame of mind. Then glad to have you with us. As always, we are uh, Quinn likes your your uh, Notre Dame hat. Anyway, I appreciate it. This is uh, this is a limited release, and I was one of one hundred. So there's not oh, okay. many out there. Where'd you get it? Uh, it's a forty-seven brand hat. Okay, got it from forty-seven. Yeah, the back has this on. They did. They did uh, limited releases. <laughs> they did limited releases, and uh, only Notre Dame, Alabama, and Michigan got these hats made. So, all right. Well, Clint, Quinn is glad to see you anyway. So, I appreciate I gonna, that, Quinn. Uh, I was going to ask you, and I meant to say something today. It's been like the last two days we've had back-to-back media days, and that'll be it actually for the spring, other than the blue gold game. So it's just been busy. You know, like getting over to Notre Dame, getting other stuff done, getting things written, got a story out on uh, the three freshman early enrollee receivers at irishbreakdown.com right now. So you can check that out from today. A lot of uh, a lot of good, interesting comments that receivers coach Chancey Stuckey had on the early enrollees. So uh, you can check that out. But uh, I was going to ask you if you had anything you wanted to whiteboard today, but didn't have time. That I, I, slipped my mind. So... You're heading to Atlanta tomorrow, so we won't see you until after the Blue Gold game after today. Is that right? Yeah, so I'll, I'll be out the rest of the week. Going down to Atlanta tomorrow, that's part of my stress today. Is just, you know, every time you travel, there's always something to do. We're always kind of behind. Um, still need to pack. Still need to get some laundry done. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So all, <laughs> all the right. good stuff. Smash that like button if you would, and it is mailbag night, so bring on the questions this evening. That is uh, what we're here for. We're here to answer your Notre Dame questions with the Blue Gold game coming up this Saturday, and then it is, uh, you know, in terms of the team, it is officially the off season. For us, we're going to be here every day still pretty much, so we'll still have plenty of Notre Dame football to talk about, but... This will be the last sort of tangible time we get to see the Irish on Saturday at the Blue Gold game. And speaking of which, Quinn was sitting in here first. Weather considered, will the stadium be over under 30% full on Saturday? What do you think, Jess? Uh, I think I'm going to take the over on this just because there is um, a lot a lot of stuff going on uh, offensively that's new. I think a lot of people are going to want to see Sam Hartman and what that's going to look like. I think, you know, the switch from Chris Tyree to wide receiver, I think that's going to intrigue um, a lot of people. And then just obviously, you know, seeing what the running backs are all about. So I think offensively as a whole, I think you're going to get a lot of attention for, from some people 
Um, and yeah, if, if it's a, if it's a nice fair weather day, um, I definitely think you'll clear 30%. So, um, I'm going to do a quick, uh, search real quick. And I want to see what Notre Dame's football capacity is. It's 77,500. Um, and then, so you take that. So around 20, 23,000, something like that would be 30%. Is that in the yeah, ballpark? 23,000 people. So, uh, not bad math for a non-math guy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think the overall buzz for everything going on, on offensively, and if you throw in, it's a nice, decent day. I think you're going to get 30%. You made some good points. Like, I think I think the Sam Hartman factor would be at the top of my list. Follow that with the Jared Parker factor, and even the Tyler Buckner factor. Like, all three of those guys – and then you've got the Tobias Merriweather factor. You've got the Chris Tyree factor moving to wide receiver. You've got the Lorenzo Styles factor a little bit farther down the line. But like all of those things right there. Because I was originally going to say under, but then when you, you know, you, that's that's typically what brings out good turnouts to the blue gold game or, you know, to spring games around here, you know blue gold game around here like every every place kind of has its its different interests i think when it comes to the spring games but it's typically a newness factor that brings in a lot of fans and so you know the weather is still not supposed to be great but the forecast has changed a little bit in the last couple of days so maybe we'll see if that kind of keeps sliding in the right direction um for uh for saturday so i'll i'll agree because of because of those things because of all that newness especially sam hartman and then right after that the offensive coordinator jared parker as well i'll i'll, I'll agree i'll say they'll get at least 30 percent rain or shine out there saturday afternoon good point good yeah point. and they say you know i i just looked at the weather.com the high is 47 degrees you know grab yourself a hot chocolate or coffee inside the stadium, maybe sneak in a flask if you need to to stay warm. But there I think go. people will be there to have a good time. And a lot of people don't uh, let Wayne catch you, though. Don't let Big Wayne, <laughs> the the uh, the the big usher down there on the field, don't let him catch you with that flask. <laughs> I'd like like I'd you said though. Going, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the unknown okay. is what gets a lot of people, and there's a lot of kind of unknowns right now on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, for sure. I think those are all great points. So I think that uh, that those things right there are uh, are good to push it over. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Interesting one from Andrew. He threw in a couple of super chats for us here right off the top. And thank you very much for the super chat. Andrew GK23, he says his uncle took Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman fly fishing today. Not super football related, but it's good to hear they're building that quarterback relationship. And then he threw in a a follow-up super chat. Thanks again. He said, also, if you're interested, he said, TB, Tyler Buckner, definitely, excuse me, the better fisherman. You ever been fly fishing? I think so. I think I went one time. You think so? Yeah, I was you know in Myrtle Beach. Between, do you know the difference between fly fishing and regular fishing? Fly fishing um, is like where you have kind of a loose line and a big long pole, and you like you like pull out the line. And I, I don't think I don't even know if there's a is there a reel on a fly rod? Like I don't even know how the I've never been myself, but you definitely you know it's like you got the lure I think, and you kind of flip it out there, and you oops, sorry, bring it back in, and all that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, I definitely did it. Uh, I, I used to date a girl whose dad was like really big into fishing and we went okay. to Myrtle Beach one time and um, we were fly fishing off the off one of the boats uh, in the water. I remember. So <laughs> I wasn't very good myself and I was getting very frustrated. Fishing is a very patient thing and I'm not I'm not super patient. So. He says, Derek, Derek says, Sean, what father has to ask his son if he's been fly fishing? I know I haven't been fly fishing, but I know, you know, like he's, he's an adult. He's got a life of his own as well. So he could have been fly fishing and I didn't know about it. Like he just said, he thinks he did it in Myrtle beach, but the ocean seems like a weird place to fly fish. It's like you, you typically hear people more, I think out like out on the river and stuff like that doing it. But again, I've never been myself they made a whole movie about it one time wasn't it a river runs through it isn't that like the big fly fishing movie I've, i wasn't really interested in that either but <laughs> okay all right so you think you've been i haven't um rob says guys with what seems like an increase in the passing game coming what's your expectation of yards per game and average touchdowns per game oh my goodness that's a big one there. Like hit us, hit us with a brick right off the top. I mean, they threw four over 200 yards a game last year. Do you think, do you think they pushed 300 this year? I, I'm thinking 275, 280, somewhere in that range. What do you think? Because I, I think the run game is still going to be prominent. They're going to have a much better passing game, but I think the run game is still going to be pretty prominent. What do you what 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 do you say? I'm trying to honestly, I'm trying to look up their numbers last, last year. year. So in eleven games, Drew Pine had just about two thousand yards. Um, so that's close to like one eighty one per game. And touchdown wise, um, he threw twenty two in eleven games. So that's two per touchdowns. I would say that touchdown per game. I, I think you would look at passing touchdowns probably two to three per game. I think you're going to average around three a game. Um, But what you're talking about, it's just hard to know what that balance is going to be between passing um, and running. And I think Marcus Freeman is a guy who has talked about that. He wants to be a, a you know, he wants to establish that run game. Like the run game is going to be something that's critical um, for them. I think, I think that they'll sit between 250 and 300 a game. I think against better teams, they'll be, you know, getting close to 300 um, and then some of the teams that are not as good, I think they'll definitely clear um, 300. So I think their average will probably sit, you know, 275-ish, around three touchdowns a game. And just Sam Hartman's not going to have the numbers that he had in the past because he's not had a run game like this and, and a coach that wants to be a pretty even split 50-50 uh, pass and run. Washington led the nation 369 passing yards per game last year. Southern Cal was third at 335. Wake Forest, of course, led by Sam Hartman, almost 312 yards a game last season. North Carolina, 309. They ranked 11th. Ohio State ended up ranking 14th at 298. 
Interesting how many of the top passing offenses Notre Dame faced last year with USC and then North Carolina and Ohio State all in the top 14 last season. But uh, yeah, I that that you know again Hartman well not Hartman but Wake Forest with obviously Hartman you know they had another quarterback there as well but they were almost 312 yards per game so I'd I'd put them comfortably like I like I started off around 275 280 I think you said 250 to 300 I could see that pretty easily but again the run game is going to factor in and like Wake Forest didn't have the run game that that uh, Notre Dame and Hartman are going to have a lot um, this year. Notre Dame only averaged 207 passing yards a game last season. So it's going to be a big step up. Uh, the touchdowns are just always, it's, it's always hard to figure what that's going to look like because you do still have running backs who are going to factor in there. You know, like you might, you know, big pass to get you down inside the 10 yard line, then a running back finishes it off, something like that. I think that uh, I think it's going to be a much different looking passing attack than what we've seen here recently. I think you can count on that. Quinn, what is one time you've had to keep your comments to yourself as a Notre Dame fan? I sat next to Denard Robinson on the way back from the 2012 National Championship. Still wasn't over the uh, under the lights game in 2011 anytime you've had to kind of bite your lip as a Notre Dame fan Jess yeah so this I this is this is one that actually happens to me a lot because I lived in Michigan so I dealt with a lot of Michigan fans for about four years of my life um, and then I moved to Ohio for graduate school um, and now I live in Ohio more so I, I've lived in Michigan and Ohio for like four years each and both of those bring Michigan and Ohio State fans. And obviously, Michigan has been a longtime, you know, rival of Notre Dame. And now with Ohio State and Notre Dame playing, you know, here here and there more, um, it, it's just a lot. You hear a lot of stuff about, you know, the conference stuff and, like, why Notre Dame doesn't want to join a conference and that sort of stuff. So that's the stuff I ultimately have to kind of bite my tongue on is, you know, Notre Dame not being in a conference and why they're not in a conference. And everyone has a reason why. Or they they should or shouldn't be in a conference. So that that's one that comes up uh, quite a bit. Um, and and just that what what comes along with it. You know, people think that Notre Dame doesn't play a hard schedule just because they don't belong to a conference, and that a conference championship is the end all be all uh, in, in terms of college football. Sometimes, so that's just like a larger topic that comes with many other minor topics that you just you, I bite my tongue on because I just I get tired of explaining it over and over. Like it's just no one. And ultimately, no one listens to you. And it's like, guys, I've been a Notre Dame <laughs> fan for a very long time. Like, I, I know a couple things about what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, there's nothing specific I can think of. I'll just say I bite my lip quite a bit when I hear, you know, people, you know, who kind of start down a road with, with whatever narratives, you know, about Notre Dame or whatever, because I don't feel like getting in a big argument, you know, just too old to... <laughs> <laughs> to deal with that kind of garbage, I guess, anymore. So I, I can only imagine what you went through with your whole Michigan experience when you were in college and all, and when you lived in Michigan for a little bit after that. <laughs> Let me see. Anthony, would you say that because Notre Dame is a national team and travel for most fans is expensive is a major factor in small spring game attendance compared to the large state schools? I mean, I think that that's, part of it because it is it is interesting you know like when i was talking about attendance before like obviously you go down south i would say weather is a factor as well the weather is always you know typically nicer down there like if, if the game had been last weekend it would have been beautiful out there this weekend but I, I do like i do find it odd sometimes that you don't have a bigger turnout from you know kind of some of the the local fan gate fan base when it comes to the blue gold game but i definitely think the fact that you do have a spread out fan base and it is a you know a, a private school as opposed to a state school that does play into it yeah i think a large some large factors are the fact that you know notre dame has more of a national presence and, and their fan base is spread out all over the country and 
you know, why go expend the resources, time, money at, just for a spring game? I think a lot more people would be interested in coming to an actual game, you know, once the season starts. Real deal. Um, yeah. yeah. And then and then you talked about, you know, how the weather's crappy. So it's like, why take a vacation and time off work if you can't even come to, you know, a place that's ultimately going to be super nice out um, as well. And I think a, another large part of it is just, you know, South Bend's not Metro E, I guess is the best way to put it. Like it's not like an Atlanta or Cleveland or Columbus or, you know, Indianapolis, like it's just not, it's not, not big enough. Big. Yeah. yeah. So it, the people that are here, I think just the spring game, it's just like, you know, it's just a, another kind of common day and they know it's just practice and everything. And I think uh, what ultimately surprises me is the kind of the lack of like student turnout at one of these things. Like it could be something that's ultimately, you know, pretty fun, something to do on a Saturday. You could tailgate for a little bit. Um, come hang out. And I think that's a, another big difference that you see with state state schools. So I think that they, they, they might have a little bit more fun kind of, you know, making a, an event out of it, I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like, like even look at a place like Texas, you know, you've, you've got good weather, one, just like I talked about. Two, it's a state school and you've got a, you know, a, so you've got a built-in fan base sitting right there in Austin. Austin is growing all the time, and it just makes sense that you're going to have a big turnout for a place like that. Really, over most of the South, you know, there's one of those places, it's like, what else are you going to do in the middle of April down there? You know, especially if the weather is good, you might as well get out and, and go to the game. DJ says, I think Jabron Payne will get a bunch of carries Saturday, even if he has a great game how much season work will he get considering running back depth? How far up the depth chart can he realistically go? That's a really good question because he has had a good spring. You know, how much of it, I mean, his opportunities that he's gotten this spring have had to do with the fact that like Logan Diggs was out for a bit. Jadarian Price is, you know, has been out the entire spring as he rehabs and gets ready for the summer. But He's made an impression, and what's going to be tough for him is the fact that you've got Jeremiah Love also coming in this summer, and we'll actually talk about Jeremiah Love coming up in uh, in rapid fire in a little bit, but I think it's going to be tough. I think that at the very least, he's a, he's a candidate to be back there on kickoff return. I, I know that last year when Dylan McCullough came in, he had, I believe it was like a, a checklist of eight different jobs for the running backs and, you know, trying to figure out which backs matched with, you know, which jobs slash situations and, and stuff like that, whether it's, you know, like third and short goal line, or, you know, like if you've got a passing situation or whatever it happens to be, he's definitely opened some eyes, but I'm going to be really curious to see that as well. Just, just what that looks like for him, because you are adding an, another, Really good running back into the mix. I think the question for Jeremiah Love is going to be, how quickly is he is he able to, you know, be a be a complete running back? As in, you know, Dylan McCullough and most running back coaches will tell you, you're not going to get on the field until till they are confident in you as not just a runner of the football or a catcher of the football out of the backfield, but pass protection. That's a huge huge thing because you don't want to get your quarterback killed, and those guys have to be able to pass protect as well. What do you think, Chess? I think it's tough because a lot of the stuff that you talked about, obviously there's Audric Estime and Logan Diggs um, ahead of him, two guys that saw a lot of touches last year. Um, and correct me again, the guy that's hurt, um, Jadarian Price, is that is that right. who it is? Right. And then, yeah, the fact that Jeremiah Love is coming in, it, you have a very stacked um, running back room. But I do think that Price um, – or sorry, Payne has the opportunity – to get in there at the number three spot, you know, depending on how long it takes Jadarian Price to recover. And I think that's something to look forward to because Notre Dame has proven that they, 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 they'll cycle through three running backs. Like it, it can be a three back running back, you know, rotation. Last year we saw Tyree, um, Audric Estime, and Logan Diggs. And I think that that's an, a, another thing that you will see um, this season is the fact that. Uh, that they're going to, I think, use a third running back in, in some sort of rotation. You know, how many touches that is, um, I'm not sure, but I like the three-man running back because you're keeping your legs fresh. And when you have depth and you have the talent, 
Um, I don't mind kind of like the hockey style line shifts and, and using kind of Audric SMA late in the game and using his power when when teams are a little bit more gassed and, and worn down. Keeping your running backs, you know, fresh is is uh, is is definitely a surplus. Like it's something that they need to take advantage of. So I mm-hmm. could see him working into that third man spot. There's definitely an opportunity, and I think if that doesn't happen, he can make his way onto the field in other ways, like you were talking about, maybe a returner. Maybe, you know, as like a gunner on special teams or maybe a gunner on kickoff team, like he's going to find his way onto the field because he's had such a good spring. Yeah, I think he's got to be out there on some special teams. Question will just be how many it's again, finding that role, consistent role out of the backfield could be tough just because of the numbers and the depth of talent that they've got back there right now. Uh, Rob makes a good point. Hey, folks, hit that like button. I don't even know if I threw the reminder up at the start of the show. Smash it. Hit it. Kill it. The like button. It's your friend. It doesn't cost anything. Just just hit it, and it helps us out. We appreciate it. And, of course, if you're listening later on the podcast, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star you know, review and, and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, there you go. There's your daily spiel. But thank you, Rob, for the reminder because I forgot that right off the top. Okay. Anthony wants to know, do they make the moves of Styles to cornerback and Lewis to safety? Tell you what, Clarence Lewis asked about the safety thing yesterday, and he kind of gave the Lorenzo Styles answer. It was, you know, just more or less I'll play wherever they tell me to play, you know, kind of thing. He's mostly been working as the nickel during spring, is what he said as well. So, one, they were... I would be shocked if they don't, you know, they're going to, they're, they're probably looking in the transfer portal right now, since the portal is open. That is their, I think that, you know, that's going to be their first priority is go to the transfer portal, but (laughs) you have to find qualified guys in the transfer portal. You don't just want to bring anybody in. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense at the very least to, uh, you know, to start cross training, Clarence Lewis at safety. And I mean, the way Lorenzo style, and I don't think Anthony was with us yesterday. We had all kinds of it. Anthony, if you weren't, go to the, you know, like whether it's Spotify or Apple or wherever. Yesterday's show, we had, uh, you know, we got to talk to both Mike Mickens, the cornerbacks coach, and Lorenzo Styles yesterday, who showed up for the cornerbacks media session yesterday morning wearing a white defensive jersey typically the uh the offensive players at Notre Dame practice wear blue jerseys the defensive players wear white Lorenzo Styles is wearing a white jersey said he basically got his first full practice with the defensive guys so and there's a story up about it as well at Irish Breakdown so you can read that with some of their quotes and thoughts and stuff like that but I think that they're going full speed ahead at least with the Lorenzo Styles world they say we're going to get to see him play both out there Saturday. So I think we're all curious to see that the question is going to be the Clarence Lewis thing. They've got to come up with some depth somehow. And Clarence Lewis would seem to be the best option that they have to give them some more depth at safety. So I would think that they're going to pursue that, but I would have thought that they would have done that during the spring as well. And it doesn't sound like they did a whole lot of that during the spring. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. You know, uh, I, I don't know a whole bunch about moving Lewis to safety, but I really have liked um, the idea of moving Lorenzo Styles to corner just based off of, you know, what he was able to accomplish. I know college is different from high school, but what he was able to accomplish as an, an elite, you know, defensive cornerback in high school, he, he shows a lot of good things on tape. Um, and I talked about this a little bit on Monday. I just think it's something that can help clear up you know, some of his psyche a little bit and just allow him to kind of play football and naturally react and just overall use his athleticism and natural instincts on the football field. And I think that's when Lorenzo Styles is going to be at his best when he's out there just, you know, having fun, essentially. And I just don't know if he's had a lot of fun recently playing wide receiver. Not, not that it's, you know, a, a Notre Dame thing or anything like that. I just think that he's just so caught up in his head of, you know, where he needs to be and, there's just a lot less to it at playing corner. You're just kind of out there reacting based off of, you know, the route 
route that the the wide receiver is running and to, you know your coverage are you in man or zone so i think it's something that's going to benefit lorenzo styles yeah all right let me see jesse I'll, I'll let you take this one first if you want who are your starting receivers and linebackers this one's sure to get you in trouble one way or the other <laughs> Um, so wide receivers, I'm going to go X, you know, X, Z and slot. Um, I think wide, your, your X wide receiver is going to be Tobias Merriweather. I think that your Z wide receiver is going to be Deion Colsey. Um, and then I think the slot is going to be a toss up between Jaden Thomas and Chris Tyree. But if we're up to me, I would like to see more of Chris Tyree in the slot. So I think he's a true slot, just that, you know, what he can do, uh, with his, his quickness, um, and stuff like that. And I was reading an article today that, you know, he he's actually faster out at wide receiver because he's, he's just playing more in space and straight line running and that kind of stuff. So I think that at the beginning, it might be a little split between Thomas um, and Tyree in the slot, but I think Tyree is going to ultimately end up being your slot. And I like that trio of wide receivers of Tobias, Dion, um, and Chris Tyree. Um, moving on to well, the linebackers. The other thing, the other thing, just, just, I'll give my thoughts on the wide receivers real quick, and then I'll let you give your linebackers first. I agree with with what you're saying. The thing, the thing that Tyree does, and I mean, we talked to to Jaden Thomas today, and like, you can see why some of these announcers who should know better, you know, than than calling him a tight end, like the TV guys, they should know better than calling Jaden Thomas a tight end. But that dude is yoked up. And like <laughs> he's not a true slot. You can see how they can confuse him for a tight end because of how massive he he's is. like a um he's like a Michael Mayer split out kind of guy. And I think they'll use right. him more of like jumbo kind of looks or you know, like short down kind of slot type looks is when you'll right. see him more in the slot. Yeah. And my point is you can have Tyree in the slot and you can also, you know, move move Thomas out. He can really play either one of those outside positions, but you can, you know, very easily see him, you know, bumping over to Z probably pretty consistently for a guy like Colsey. And they'll probably, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do some four wide, I think sometimes as well. And because of the versatility that you have with Chris Tyree, you know, like this is your whiteboard opportunity here, Jess, but you know, all the places you can motion Chris Tyree and and do things with him. You can, you know, you can almost have like two slots standing next to each other. You motion Chris Tyree and then he goes someplace else, you know. So, like, yeah, like those four guys, I think, are going to be the primary guys at wide receiver. And, you know, especially as the season starts and then what happens with the young guys after that. But you definitely have a lot of versatility by adding Chris Tyree into that mix. Yeah. And someone just kind of asked, uh, you know, who's going to be the number one between Tyree and, and Jaden. So to kind of wrap up the wide receiver part of this. Again, I just think it's going to be kind of split depending on personnel packages and, and what ultimately they're trying to accomplish with the game plan. But I think as the season goes on, Tyree will be your number one slot. And I don't think that you waste moving him to, to the slot if you're not going to utilize him to his full potential. But again, I think they'll be on the field a lot at the same time as yeah. well. I wouldn't even necessarily say one versus two. You just have a lot of versatility between those two guys because you can line Tyree up just about anywhere you want, whether it's slot in the backfield, you know, or, or even on the outside. And, you know, you can basically do everything with Thomas other than line him up in the backfield, you know, and they'll, you know, they've, they've used him as an extra blocker in, you know, what confuses announcers as 13 personnel when it's really still 12 personnel, just because he's lined up in line as a blocker in there with those, tight ends so you know i i just i i wouldn't even look at at the slot as a number one versus number two guy because i think we're going to see them both on the field quite a bit this season Definitely. so what about your what about your linebackers then uh middle linebacker is going to be jd bertrand rover is going to be jack kaiser um and then the the will linebacker i think is going to be prince Kali. i think maris is going to get um passed up this season i don't know by the end of the season, I think Prince Kali will be the will linebacker. I don't know how long. I, 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 I think Maris might get the opportunity at the beginning, but if Maris plays how Maris has been playing, I think it's going to be a quick hook, um, and, and there'd be more to gain by getting Prince Kali in there now, essentially, because 
if if the gameplay is so similar that you know between Maris and Prince and Prince is obviously a lot younger and so the improvement can can develop more I think you're going to see Prince Kali kind of overtake that position by the end of the season um and then if you want to count Viper in that you know I, I know that sometimes you know well that's still that's that's still more defensive in like I I yeah. think that I think that the the other X factor, because I agree with what you're saying on, on Khalid, the two X factors are Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler, especially when it comes to like nickel and dime type situations, because that I think that allows them, excuse me, to move Jack Kaiser inside. And the feeling I got is that, you know, maybe they're they're liking what they're seeing out of Jack Kaiser inside based on some comments you know, from the coaches this weekend not not that he's always going to be there at will linebacker but i i think we'll see more of kaiser at will linebacker than we have in the past and then it becomes like you know like like ziegler i i do think ziegler is going to be part of the mix you know like whether it's rover or even playing inside but sneed i think is going to be over there at rover as well i think there's i think there's going to be a mix at that rover position this year situationally but like we've said before, J.D. Bertrand is the only given, but I do agree that that Prince Kali is 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 coming on. I think he's coming on. This is the most important question I think we've had on the show <laughs> in a long time. Who has the better mustache, Jesse or Pedro Sanchez? And now, are we talking about Pedro Sanchez, the Napoleon Dynamite? Oh, okay. I, I thought we were talking about like the Spanish Prime Minister. I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize Pedro's last name was Sanchez and Napoleon Dynamite. So, um, I've got to go with Pedro then, because if you've seen Jesse's mustache up close, okay, you don't want to. Yeah, that's a lot of crap. You're just a hater. <laughs> Well, defend yourself then. Tell us why yours is better than Pedro's. <laughs> I would honestly go with Pedro's, but okay. I didn't want to hear okay. it from you. <laughs> I gotcha. John's on my side. <laughs> John is. Yeah, John Christophic. That's right. He says, Jesse. All right. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, Josh says he read... Kaiser is moving to Will. Any truth to that? Now, I don't know that there has been a definitive. He he has been playing there, but some of that is also situationally. You know, where like he's moved in, you know, again, like in some of these nickel-dime type situations, like he's moved in and some of these other guys, whether it's Ziegler, you know, we haven't seen as much of Snead or, or Kali in the last couple of weeks because the injuries that are keeping him off the field, you know, so like, Ziegler has been part of that. Even Leofow has moved over there. But Kaiser has played more Will. Uh, again, he's going to play some Will this year. I just don't know how much that it's going to be. Like, will it be – like, will he be a rover, you know, on traditional first and second down? And then, you know, like when you get into passing situations, that's when he moves inside. I think that there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching because it was on yesterday's show we had the – soundbite from Al Golden where he was talking he was asked about Kali Sneed and Ziegler and how they're looking heading toward the season and he said all three of those guys are going to play you know again that doesn't mean they're going to be every down guys but at least situationally they're all going to be part of different sub packages so and I think in those sub packages at, at least what we've seen in you know like in the you know, two plus practices this spring, and maybe we'll get a better idea of it out there Saturday at the blue gold game as well. That's, that's, that's when Kaiser, I think definitely moves inside to will. I, I still don't know if that's, that's a full-time thing. So that might be overreading it like a full-time move to will, but he's going to play some will. So I think you're going to see him move to Will because naturally the rover position is a little bit more coverage-esque, right? Right. And I think that there are better options in terms of rover linebackers who are going yes. to be better in coverage. And I mean, listen, as Notre Dame fans, we should be 
elated, over the moon, excited about all the quality linebackers that Notre Dame has right now um, on their depth chart. Like you have Prince Kali, J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, Drake Bowen, Jalen Sneed, Preston Zinner, Nolan Ziegler, you know, Maris. And, and that's and Maris' struggle, but he's still an overall good player. And I think I can't remember a time that Notre Dame has had this much depth, excitement, and just overall athleticism at the linebacker position. So I think that that's something that's going to help them tremendously this season. And it's starting to grow across the board at different positions. Now there are other position groups that need to fill it out, but like, you're right. Like there's so much talent in that linebacker room and, you know, all the guys that people want to talk about are freshmen and sophomores, but that's a good thing. You know, they, they obviously need more at the back end of the defense, but the core, excuse me, the corners, look at all the, the young talent, that you're starting to fill that room up with. We've talked about the quarterback room time and again. Look at the running back room right now. And the wide receiver room is starting to fill out as well. So in a pretty short amount of time, they have stocked this team with talent like we haven't seen before. So yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And I think uh, Josh brings up the what I would have in an ideal world. Like if everyone – was playing at their best. I would love Snead at Rover, Bertrand at Mike, and Kaiser at Will. I think that is your best lineup. Be assuming, the, yeah, everyone's like, playing at the top tier level. Every, you know, everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that would be the ideal lineup because what Snead can do at Rover in support of the pass game and the run game that would be tremendous. And then you have obviously Bertrand as the general, kind of holding it down at Mike. Um, and then like Will is kind of like the hybrid of Rover and Mike. It's kind of like the in-between of those two positions. Right. Gotta be pretty stout in the run game, but also be, you know, pretty, pretty decent in the pass game. I would say at Mike, that's the like the least kind of you need the least responsibilities in the pass game. You're in there predominantly for you know what you're doing in the run game. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think that Kaiser is better suited to play Will. Everything that we've seen of him playing Will. In the short amount of time that we have this spring, I've said all along, I, I really like him at will. And, you know, like the whole, like whether or not it turns out to be Sneed depends on, you know, again, does he know what he's doing? Does, you know, is he not getting lost? You know, does he, you know, blow, you know, is he not blowing coverages and stuff like that? Like we saw in the Gator Bowl, just fix some simple things, but everything sounds pretty, you know, like it's training in the right direction for him and some of those other guys as well. Um, Derek wants to know, do you move Lewis and Barnes to safety or just one? Why is Barnes the better option? Um, why is Barnes the better option? Well, you know, if you're going to move one of them full-time, Lewis at least does give you some depth there at the nickel. And what we've seen of him in the nickel, he's done a pretty good job of it this spring. But then the question is like, what are you doing with, um, Thomas Harper? And, and he's a guy who kind of has flown under the radar a little bit. It Barnes, you know, again, it's like we saw him in that one practice. I really want to see more of him this Saturday. And, and I would say Barnes is just a better option because Lewis gives you more versatility in, in terms of being able to play that nickel if you need it. Shoot, I forgot about Thomas Harper. That's the Oklahoma State transfer that's primarily right. a nickel guy. Right. Exactly. Man, they are gonna. They, there is a lot of options of what they can do moving pieces around in the secondary, and I think that's just as exciting. Like you kind of, uh, you know, just hinted at what's going on depth wise at a lot of these positions. Right. And you know they're kind of they're 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 starting to find some of that, and you know maybe that's why Barnes kind of got more of the look back there. DT Roll Hunter, give us your spring game surprise predictions. Jess, I'll let you make one if you want. This was kind of along the lines of what you know the show tomorrow is going to be about with Vince and I. So uh, tomorrow and/or on Friday, but I'll let you make a uh, a prediction, a surprise prediction, if you would like. Hmm. 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 I think. <clears throat> I think you're going to see – I think the running backs are what the running backs are. I think the offensive line is what it is. Um, but I think you're going to see some surprises in the pass game. I think the pass game is going to open up a little bit, obviously, with Hartman. 
Um, and I think someone like Chris Tyree is going to have a really good day in the slot. And, you know, if, if that's a surprise to you or not, take it how you want. But I think it's considered a surprise because we've never seen Chris Tyree play at wide receiver. And I think he's going to provide um, a lot of production uh, on the offensive side. Defensively, I think you're going to see a lot of improvement out of the defensive line as a unit. I think Junior Tuialamaka is going to have an explosive game on the defensive side. Um, and I think him and Botello are going to be a very good one-two punch at Viper this season. But, I, I mean, I've said it before. I think Junior Tuiala Maka is going to be the, the kind of, like, chess piece on defense this year just because of, you know, coming from linebacker, he's got the speed and he's got the size to be able to hang on the defensive line um, in different personnel packages. I think he's going to be on the field a lot. You know, you're going to see him kind of at the at the Viper. You're going to see him maybe as a nose guard in some packages, maybe some nickel packages. But I think he's going to be a big surprise for a lot of people. I like the defensive line prediction. I think that I think we'll come away. I think people are going to come away with a, a pretty good feeling about the defensive line. Now, I say that and we don't know exactly what the offensive and defensive line matchups are going to look like. Like I. I I've said before, I think that they should put like, you know, their first team offensive line, their first team defensive line and and keep them together and have them match up against each other. And then, you know, just just sub in with some other guys. I don't think they're going to do that because of the fact that they're doing the draft again tomorrow morning. So like we've seen some really good things from the defensive line. I think that they're going to show out. But at the same time, not knowing how this is all going to be piece together it's not necessarily going to be a completely cohesive unit that'll be out there together does that make sense yes all right i'm glad derek has been dying to know what i think of Notre Dame's blitzing i just saw that so what do you think of all the blitzing jesse i think that all of the blitzing is a great sign as a defensive unit because hear me out here, okay. you cannot get into blitzing and the complexities that come with blitzing if you are not comfortable in your base defense and if you're not comfortable with what your secondary can do on the back end in, in, in terms of coverage. If you have a poor secondary, you're not blitzing um, and, and putting those guys out there on the island. So I think it shows, one, they have a lot of confidence in their secondary, and two, the, the overall Everyone has a better understanding of Al Golden's defense in year two because, simply put, I mean, you cannot blitz guys and risk someone being out of position if you're blitzing and a busted play happen. And so I think that they want to start to put pressure um, on the other team. And, you know, the turnover started out really slow last season. I think that's something they want to get back to. And, you know, how do you create turnovers? Well, you create pressure. You speed up, you know, everyone's reads. You, you speed up the quarterback a lot. So I think the blitzing is overall a good sign, but I just don't want them to get too blitz happy. I don't want it to turn into that situation. I want the blitzes to be, you know, thought out. Like it, like it's it's almost like, you know, you're baiting them all game with one look and then it, you all of a sudden kind of give them a blitz based off of something that you've been showing them kind of the whole game. So yeah, not to be too long winded, but it, it just shows to me that there's overall confidence in the secondary um, and and the defensive line and linebackers knowing where they're supposed to be on the field. Yeah. Good question from DT Roll Hunter. There is the draft really just to hide the two deep. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but that's probably not a bad call. <laughs> I don't. I don't doubt it. You know, they don't have to show the two deep that way. Um, you know, we've seen for the most, like especially like the offensive line. We know what that looks like. The, the the defense is a little bit tougher just because of the way they've done things this spring by announcing starters day to day. So it's it's always there's just always a piece kind of coming and going with the defense. But that is that is a good possibility there, DT, that, you know, you you draft the teams and you don't have to show it too deep that way. You just roll through the summer and nobody really knows exactly what it is. And, you know, as Anthony said, what you were just talking about there, Jesse, that was a whiteboard answer. Anthony really misses <laughs> the whiteboard. 
So <laughs> I had some complications last week and it's it's haunted me. It's 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 really put uh, a wrench in my whiteboard. I'll, I'll be back and refresh after the spring game. I think okay. that uh, all right, we'll have a lot a lot to talk about after the spring game. Some overreactions. I can't wait for overreaction Monday. I might just join that Monday show so I can be a part of <laughs> just to see all the overreactions. Monday. You might yes. have to. <laughs> Andre 3000 wants to know what set of players on offense and defense will help Notre Dame become an elite team in the 2023 season. Um, offensively, Sam Hartman, uh, the combination of Audric Estime and Logan Diggs, um, and Tobias weather, Tobias Merriweather needs to be great. If it's not Tobias, someone's got to step up and catch those passes um, from, from Sam Hartman defensively. I think that Junior Tui Alamaka. Um, By the way, Morrison. I, 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 I meant to, you know, like you were throwing out the Tui Alamakas there a little bit ago. You do that better than some radio professionals say <laughs> Tui Alamaka. I so. got over my, my uh, like, a, you know, like a mental block of a word. Air that's... quotes in professionals. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> There's like a, it was just like a mental block for the longest time. And I was just, I finally got through it and said it one time. Right. And I, now I just, I don't hear it any other way. So I, I've, I just, as long as I keep saying it the right way, um, I think we'll be good. But yeah, I, I like junior T. Um, I like Benjamin Morrison and someone on the, on the defensive end Viper has to step up as well. I think whether that's, you know, uh, Javante Jean Baptiste, I, I think he's someone who's potentially got to step up with the experience that he has. Um, but it's, it's overall, you, you got to kind of have one at each level, a linebacker, a corner, you know, sorry, a secondary member, a linebacker, um, and a defensive lineman, but yeah, junior T Benjamin Morrison. Um, and he, you know what, I, I'll put JD Bertrand in there because the mic always has to be solid. He's running the defense. Yeah. He's getting everyone set. Um, so that's an important role, role, whether, you know, he's showing up on the stat sheet every game with, you know, 10, 15 tackles, whatever it might be. He's doing a lot to get the defense in the right spot. Whew, man, you went through all of them and I don't really disagree with any of them. You know, Sam Hartman is obviously it on, you know, as far as the quarterback goes, I'll say Jadarian price, a healthy Jadarian price. They're still going to be in good shape, but I think that he's a guy who has, you know, a little bit more wiggle another gear to go to potentially Jeremiah Love, depending on, you know, with the speed that he's got, depending on what he turns into. Tobias Merriweather is a must. Defensively, I'll go Jordan Botello on the defensive line at uh, at that Viper. I, I agree, like J.D. Bertrand has to be elite J.D. Bertrand this year, but you also need the emergence of Sneed and or Kali in that linebacker group as well. Obviously, Benjamin Morrison, Cam Hart, and then, you know, Xavier Watts. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't necessarily call him an elite safety, but he is a really good safety. And so for what they have, they need him to just keep ascending his game. So that would be that would my group, you know, but I, I like at the top of the list, as far as like receivers who are going to stretch it, I would put Tobias Merriweather up there like a difference making elite type wide receiver josh buffo the motivational buffo buffo the motivational business banker who would you rather have back on this defense and why drew tranquil or lewis nix the third you know i'm gonna I, tell I, you I, what i would take i would take 2012 lewis nix in a heartbeat yeah, before and after that, very inconsistent, obviously. But I like 2012 version of Lewis Nix in the middle of this defense and what he could do, you know, in, you know, in terms of just disruption in the middle. If I could have 2012 version of Lewis Nix, I would I would drop him in there. I was going to say the same thing, actually. And it's not a knock against Drew Tranquil because obviously he was a great player um, and, and still playing in the NFL right now. Um, fun fact, I also played against him in high school. Uh, random random stat of the day, fact of the day. Um, but I, I like – National championship game. Yep. Yeah, I'm more excited. I think that these linebackers can get it done, and I'm really excited to see what they can do overall um, as a group. And I think that they're – if you could combine those linebackers 
um, with someone like Lewis Nix, who's disruptive up front, that's only going to help the lot. Like that, those, those two would play off of each other. Linebacker play would be better. And Lewis Nix game would also get better because of, you know, what, what is how those two positions kind of work off of each other. So I would go with Lewis Nix as well. I think an elite nose tackle is, is something that is always underrated who can just shove themselves into the run game and draw a double team and free up your linebackers a little bit. Yeah, I agree. All right. Another question. Derek, it was quite the opposite. Tranquil (laughs) owned us and there was nothing that could be done about it. They just started giving him the ball and uh, it was basically just a wildcat offense. Our coach, if anyone's to blame, it was our coach. He blew the lead. We had like a 17 point lead on Drew Tranquil's team in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, we started airing the ball out, throwing interceptions instead of just running the clock down. And literally, Tranquil getting the wildcat, and everyone that could be in front of him got in front of him. And it was like a power wildcat type formation. It was very hard to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Indy Sailor asks, what do I think of the new addition to the women's basketball team? He's talking about Anna DeWolf, the uh, the former Fordham player. I like. I was surprised, like a lot of people, I think, that they added a guard first because post is what they need the most. You know, it at least outwardly it seemed after losing Lauren Ebo with her, you know, she played her one and final season at Notre Dame after, you know, basically she used her COVID year to come over but the more you sit and think about it DeWolf was the Atlantic 10 player of the year a couple of years ago she averaged 17 points a game in her four seasons and she's a really good three-point shooter and they needed another three-point shooter to be able you know to kind of keep things honest and you know like if you take Citron off the floor to be able to have someone like DeWolf on the floor or even have them on the floor you know, both at the same time, what it does for spacing and things like that. I, I mean, you know, she shot, you know, almost 34% from three-point range in her career, and she's made almost 240 in her career. So, I, you know, I, I like what it can do in, in terms of stretching the defense and having another legit three-point shooter on the field. I, I do expect them still to go out and find another post player, but I – uh I like what she'll bring, you know, in terms of that three-point threat. You can never have enough three-point shooting in today's game. Yeah, and that's, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit on Monday in rapid fire. I just think that they need, with those guards and their ability to pass the ball um, and and get down in the lane, they're naturally going to uh, generate a lot of attention, and you just need someone that's going to be open and, and be a knockdown shooter, and I think that, um, it is something that they that, that she's going to be good at. And I think down the stretch, they kind of struggled uh, with some of the three-point shooting and other teams kind of knocked down the three a little bit better than them, you know, in terms of overall quantity and field goal percentage. So adding someone like that, I just think it's like, it's someone who takes Notre Dame's overall team score from like a 90 to like a 92. You know what I mean? Like if, if sure. like in a video game, it just feels like she just adds a few more of those points and, and makes them just a better overall unit, more depth. Yeah, and then Anthony with the follow-up on the addition of Northwestern transfer Julian Roper the second to the Notre Dame men. And when I think about that, I mean, I think it's a solid pickup. He doesn't have anything flashy. He does have a couple of years experience, and he'll have a couple of years of eligibility remaining. He had an injury, excuse me, this past season, so he only got to play in 15 games. He can shoot the three a little bit. He looks like a pretty good athlete, you know, a guy who can slash a little bit as well, which is they've they've needed an athletic upgrade for the last few years. And, you know, Micah Shrewsbury coached against this guy for the last two years in the Big Ten. So he's familiar with him. So I think it's a it's a nice piece to start off with. Still a long ways to go. It's he's not necessarily it doesn't look like a guy you're going to build the team around, but he looks like you know, again, you've got to rebuild a roster, and you knew that that mean would would mean bringing in transfer types, and the fact that you can go out and get a guy who's going to be able to give you two years as an undergrad still, I think that that is at least a good place to start. Yeah, and it's an easy transfer for him, honestly, because going from Northwestern to Notre Dame, both obviously right. academically. Uh, rigorous schools, a lot of those transfer, you know, credits are going to trans- transfer over. 
Um, so I think that that's it's just it just kind of worked out for them, and it's just going to um, be a piece in, in this kind of Shrewsbury's, uh, you know, how he's building up this roster in his first year. All right, good stuff tonight. Appreciate all the questions tonight. As always, it is almost blue gold time. Two more shows, and then we're blue gold Saturday, baby. Well, enjoy your trip to Atlanta, Jess. Hopefully everything goes well. Safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Smash the like button on your way out, and of course, subscribe, rate, and review to help out the Irish Breakdown podcast channels, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.